This is Life with Catherine, sharing stories from my heart with a smile. And I'll even sing once in a while. Together, we'll learn more about the people who inspire me. Come along, Pond. Hi, and welcome to Life with Catherine. My guest today is Daniele Bellelli. He is a university history professor, author, and podcaster, martial artist, and father. I'll include the links to his website and books in the episode notes. I like his podcast called History on Fire, and I also recently read his book, Not Afraid, on fear, heartbreak, raising a baby girl, and cage fighting. I find him very inspiring, thoughtful, and amusing. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Danielli. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Catherine. <laughs> and how are you today? All good. How about you? Uh, no complaints at all. Nice. <laughs> I had to kick my daughter out. She was uh, walking around the house and it would be distracting, so she's gone out for a few hours. <laughs> care of podcasting now. Yeah. <laughs> um, here's my first question. It's to do with storytelling. Uh-huh. My friend told me when he thinks of my podcast and podcasting in general, he pictures me as a girl standing at the edge of an ocean, holding a message in a bottle, Inside is a paper with my heart and imagination. It gets sealed in and tossed out to sea, trusting the waves to carry the story to an audience or just having a home in the bottle. And then when a listener finds it, they scoop the treasure from the water, experiencing it and tossing it back to sea. And I think that is adorable. (laughs) And another friend, when I told them that you were going to be on the show, they... Sorry, my phone is doing weird things. They also suggested I talk to you about storytelling through the generations because podcasts really have taken over as a new way of rebooting storytelling. So what are your thoughts on that? I actually agree on both counts. Both the image of the message in the bottle seems to be perfectly applicable to um, to what we do with podcasting because that's essentially what it is. I mean, without even stretching it much, it's like you're putting these messages and sending it out into the ocean of the internet and then some people find it some people you know that's the thing is like you can put the message out there but who knows who's gonna find it how why when all of it and so it does fit perfectly with what we do podcasting and when it comes to storytelling in general i agree the fact that everybody can tell stories today that that's what good podcasting is about is essentially telling great stories whether in the form of a dialogue or whether in the form of a one-person narrative, it is um, it is very much at the roots of the human experience. I mean, that's what we have done since day one. You know, you have a bunch of uh, half monkeys sitting around the mm-hmm. fire, talking to each other and making up great stories, and that was entertainment from day one. That was the thing that shaped us as uh, who we want to become. It was inspiring. It was entertaining. It was gave us ideas. It, it was separated us from most other species in terms of that was our niche. That was what we did as human beings. 
So to me, storytelling is uh, in all of its forms. You know, for a long time, some of our great stories were told in books. Then it became also movies or TV series. And then podcasting is becoming another way in which we get that done. Um, I think it's just what we crave as humans. It's, uh, you know, it's like what every kid will tell you is tell me a story. Is uh, okay, make up a story, mm. tell me a story. That's, that's really the core of who we are as people. And for generations, uh, like we're spoiled with tech these days, for generations, that was the only way information was passed. Like it was very important to show up at the community, let's say proverbial campfire, and listen because that is how you were going to learn. Absolutely. That's exactly it. Today there are many more chances to make it happen. Uh, There is the fact that technology has at your fingertips gives you the possibility to to have access to a million more stories than we would have ever had, a million more storytellers than we would have ever had access just 30 years ago. Of course, it's also chaotic and confusing because there's so much out there that it's hard to be able to find what you're looking for sometime. But it's a great opportunity, for sure. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I Thank you. I have heard you talk on podcasts. I I can't help it. I can't resist Duncan Trussell or Dan Carlin. (laughs) Um, I've heard you talk on many shows um, about vulnerability and vulnerability that can come from, for example, martial artists, uh, martial arts and how it builds character and how in, I'm going to paraphrase, in this generation, um, people are almost afraid to open themselves up to vulnerability because, oh, I can't fail in front of people. And what are your thoughts on that? I don't know that it's generational as much as it's just human. You know, I think that nobody ever liked to fail in front of people (laughs) because we have, you know, so I think it's just a very human, natural thing to always want to look good in the eyes of people whose judgment we care about to not and yet at the same time the reality of life is that how do you get good at anything by failing a lot you know that just how you learn it's nobody learn nobody's good because they are born great at something i mean you may have a talent but even talents you know on on day one when you try an activity you're not going to be a master at it that's just the way it is Mm -hmm. so accepting the fact that you are supposed to be absolutely awful that's your job at the beginning and just pay attention and you know see what you have done wrong without feeling bad about it and keep trying and being open to that process that that's completely fine it doesn't say anything about who you are as a person the fact that you keep screwing up over and over when you're learning something mm-hmm. it's part of the process and if you accept it you actually will screw up a lot less because you'll be able to move on faster and learn the lessons if you don't accept it you're gonna pretend that you don't see what's going on and keep telling yourself, oh, it was, you know, make excuses for your failure, pretend that they are not failures, try to argue about it, and then you don't learn. And then it takes a lot longer. And it's not always black and white either. Like that, like professional martial artists, whatever you want to call them, um, you know, they go into the ring and they put it all on the line and they can't just quit their entire career because they lost one fight. Like there is something in there that is fascinating to me that has, there's my garage, that has to do with uh, 
keeping going and and not worrying about it was once um it was interesting because my daughter maybe this was like two three years ago so she would have been like six or seven years old and she really did not want to she was stopping herself from learning things because she was afraid of failure mm. And I remember there was um, a friend of mine who is uh, kind of a legend of skateboarding, this guy, Mike Vallely, Mike V. He sent me this video for her to show her. And it was this video of him trying this move in front of like hundreds of people and crashing badly, <laughs> doing it again and crash. And every time he failed, by the way, it wasn't just a failure like, oh, I didn't do well. Oh, it's not I didn't do well in front of a bunch of people is I didn't do well in front of a bunch of people, and every time I fail, I'm getting bashed against the ground. Yeah. You know, getting hurt. Physical. Physically hurts a lot. And he gets back out, and he does it again. And it's this, I don't know, I forget how long it is, it's like three, four minutes of a video where he tries this trick maybe every 20 seconds non-stop. So it's like at one point, it's like, okay, repetition number 25. <laughs> oh, he's planted again. And, and then eventually he nails it and everybody loses their mind because it's this crazy thing. That this is awesome. <laughs> and, you know, and my daughter was like, wow. And he put it out there for everybody to see. You know, it's like he's, he doesn't mind to have people seeing him fail and again and again and again. And he's like, no, that's exactly the point. The process so that, of it. Yeah, the lesson he's putting there is it's okay to fail. It's the important thing is trying to learn and get back up and go again, you know? I really consider it exploring. You're exploring the limits of what you can do and what you're interested in. So really, I consider it all an exploration. Yep, absolutely. Um, your podcast, History on Fire, has 40 episodes. So far, I looked it up. <laughs> on topics like Joan of Arc, Caravaggio, Spartacus, I love that, by the way, uh, 47 Ronin. Um, would you talk about why you started that and what you wanted to do? And also, I'm learning in my life about boundaries, having to set boundaries with people. How do you navigate that for yourself? So those are two separate questions, but apparently I put them both in the same one. <laughs> Go ahead. The, the, the podcast, I, you know, I started podcasting with doing other things before, and then I realized, okay, I am podcasting, I am teaching history. Some of my favorite podcasts are, well, the number one is Dan Carlin's Hardcore History. Mm -hmm. So, you know, put two and two together, doesn't take a genius to figure out, maybe I should do something along those lines. Maybe I should use the, my experience in podcasting and my experience in history and combine it into creating this thing. So I started and it took, uh, I didn't want to have, you know, start one day and then, because it takes so much work to research each topic, to then get stuck and have nothing new for a long time. So I spent barely a year and a half researching, just trying to come up with, as, like prepare as many stories as I could ahead of time. Mm -hmm. So when I would start, I would have a regular release of episodes where I have several like lined up in a row. And um, and then when I started, people seemed to really like it. So there we go. You know, it became a bigger and bigger thing, and um, I have fun with it. You know, I got to research story that I find fascinating, and then 
trying to put them together in the most uh, storytelling format I can put together and um, have a great time doing it. Good. And on the other front about boundaries, I'm fairly bad at it and I <laughs> try to learn because I realize that I spend, for example, I spend way too much time on social media replying and doing things where sometimes it's like, look, I'm a big fan of if somebody writes you, you need to reply. It's mm-hmm. very rude not to reply. Mm-hmm. At the same time, there is a point that you reach where it's like, I cannot spend my day, you know, engaging back and forth. In, so, you know, I'll still reply to people and everything, but like I will, I'm backing away from engaging in social media conversations as much. It's like I make my point, you want to say something, maybe I'll say something else, maybe, and then we're done. You know, I cannot go back and forth 25 times because that's just a huge time drain. That, and also, never mind the fact that communication on social media is inevitably limited. So mm-hmm. half of the time, if you don't see eye to eye when you start, you're not going to see eye to eye 20 minutes later, you know. Unless you're really evolved as a person. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be, you know, it's, it's very hard to make it happen online it's a lot easier when you are sitting with somebody but of course that kind of communication also takes even more time Mm -hmm. i'm i'm going through a a strange time in my life where i'm reevaluating things and one of the things i've realized is that i am a complete people pleaser i will literally not do anything for myself just to make sure everyone's happy and somebody said something to me and it triggered in my mind it can't be swayed, like, let's say there's 50% where you help others, 50% where you help yourself, that it's actually quite unhealthy to only give. So it's an interesting logic to me that I'm just exploring that it's actually not a good thing to just help everybody selflessly all the time. Well, and you're not going to be good at it because you're going to be running out of energy and so you're going to be doing an awful job at it eventually. (laughs) Now you tell me. You need to, it's kind of like, you know, the put the oxygen mask on you before you put it on the small child on the airplane, that kind of warning that they give you every time. Yeah. Is don't put it on you first, then you pass out, then you can't help anybody else and the small child can't help you. Put it on yourself first, take care of your oxygen need, and then you can, you still have the energy to take care of anybody else at that point. So I think that's important. Absolutely. You need to prioritize. I'm working on it. Well, and the price is too high to pay. If you're doing things for everyone, how am I supposed to have any time for my kid? How am I supposed to have any time? So it's just an interesting time in my life to kind of step back and reevaluate. And and I'll take it. I, I think I'm interesting enough for my own sake to actually focus a little bit on myself. So I'm working on it anyways. <laughs> um. Oh, I know what I was going to ask you. I'm so glad you get to ask you stuff. Um, I watched Conan the Barbarian. Of course. (laughs) I cannot believe I've never seen it. And I just want to sit for half an hour and recite every line. And I know that's not healthy, but I just want to recite every line. What is your, um, what is one moment for you that you just cannot help talking about from that movie? I think, um, I mean, I watched it when I was eight years old. It was like, to me, it was like a very foundational thing as a kid. And it was, and the funny thing is that, you know, you look at the other Conans that were made afterwards and they were terrible. 
because all they have left is you know the muscle and the sword and this and that and he's like yeah that's not what it's about it's no. the first one some great epic it was written in a beautiful way it had these genius lines the others don't and then who cares they are not that interesting um, like for example there's that scene where uh, he looks more dead than alive and there are you know there's this whole uh, scenario where the woman he's in love with as is literally kind of fighting to keep him there to make sure that his spirit doesn't leave his body and gets to be taken away and all of it and there's that whole, that whole speech that she gives the, about uh, you know even if um, she, she kind of is predicting her own death and is uh, talking about, you know, even if I were in the deepest pits of hell, I would come back to fight by your side. If you're, It's this very, like, over-the-top epic, but in a weird kind of way, even almost romantic statement. Yeah. Um, I thought was... And all of Conan is like that. It's just the epic part that is great. It's the epic lines that are genius. And I think that's why, you know, John Milius did a great job with it. In the hands of other people, it was just crap. I just loved when the girl is, is uh, the let's call her a slave girl, is hypnotized and she's sacrificing herself into the pit to the snake and she falls in and then she's all annoyed because there's no snake there anymore. Like, I was just crying. Like, just at the the silliness of humanity that, yeah. excuse me, I'm trying to sacrifice myself. Yeah, it's like, hey, how rude. You know, that, it was so funny. And the other one I, I cannot resist that I say sometimes in my head is um, when they're, the two guys are walking along, Conan and his cohort are walking along, and the gypsy says, a pittance, a pittance to protect you from evil. And he looks at her and says, lady, I am evil. <laughs> yeah, I know. He has all these lines that are brilliant. So it just makes me very happy. And I only just watched it like a few months ago. So anyways, I just it's very amusing to me. Um, let's see. I have pages of that. Okay. Um, I had one more thing here. There was an episode you did on Jack Johnson. Uh-huh. And I don't really venture into categories like civil rights or anything like that. Not on purpose. I haven't gotten there yet. Mostly oh. I just have my daydreams. Can you tell my listeners a little bit about him and his awesome story, but why why should we listen to that? And can you tell them a little bit about him as to, like, he's extraordinary. Yeah, it's a great story. And it's, um, you know, Jack Johnson, not current musician Jack Johnson. Yes. Jack Johnson is in a boxer from the very beginning of the 1900s. And uh, Johnson was, um, I mean, this was a time when segregation was officially the law in most places in the United States, where um, he became a boxer at a time when no African-American was allowed to compete for the heavyweight title. You know, you could fight, but you're not going to be given the the chance to fight for the title. And so in the face of extreme racism, the guy just carved for himself a path and kind of wheeled himself into a title shot and convincing somebody to give him a shot, became the first black guy to win the heavyweight championship in boxing. And, uh, you know, the funny thing about him is that he lived at a time of insane level of racism 
and he acted like racism didn't even exist like that wasn't even uh, like he, he would barely notice now of course he noticed but that was his coping strategies to kind of smile it through it all mm-hmm. that he wasn't even there like he was and, not flippant about it he he understand the the weight of it of course but he was like my best revenge is to act like it doesn't even touch me like it's not facing me and um so yeah it's a great story i mean the guy is just larger than life defiant funny it's it's really good Uh, will you tell the little story about uh the speeding yeah that one is the classic (laughs) story that's really funny is um you know he because he started making good money um he buy he really likes cars so he buy himself you know these are some of the early model cars of the very beginning and he likes to speed so one day he gets stopped by a cop who yell at him saying hey you are speeding this is gonna cost you and back then you could pay the fines on the spot like paying cash to the cop and so it's like how much is it he's like uh this is gonna cost you fifty dollars and johnson's like puts out his cash hands him a hundred and he's like i don't have change for that kind of money and he's like no no no, don't worry about that he's like two hours from now i'm gonna be driving this exact same way and i'm gonna be doing the exact same speed so i'm just paying you ahead you know (laughs) that's just that's that's knowing yourself that is just i'm sorry i just need a second is every time i hear it it is such a great story about Oh, anyways, I'll, I'm going to listen to it a few times. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I love that story. It's, uh, it, I mean, that's kind of what I'm looking for when looking at, um, when I try to create, like, what, what story do I want to tell? What topic do I want to jump in and all of that? I, that's what I'm, I'm looking for the larger than life characters. So I'm mm-hmm. looking for this personalities that look like if a screenwriter put them together you'd say amazing job creating shaping this human being because it's it has everything you want in there those are the stories that i find powerful Mm -hmm. those are the ones that i that i'm attracted to and there was one that made me just was so profound i can't remember if it was you or dan carlin sorry it was just the this i guess it was the spartacus series where there was the slave eunice or something and uh, yeah. he was a slave who just kept saying, I think I'm going to be emperor. I think I'm going to rule everybody. And then they just kept, the, the, the royals just kept bringing him out going, oh, this is so amusing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was actually the very first episode of History on Fire. Was it? Oh, okay. <laughs> and then he ended up, spoiler alert, <laughs> he ended up becoming the ruler and... Uh, in a complete twist of irony, had compassion for the people who kind of put up with his amusing story and his amusing goals. Like, there is some incredible psychology in that story. Yeah, it's a, it's a wild one. That was the, the, yeah, the very first episode when there's this slave revolt, they are able to conquer most of Sicily, they take over, and then there's sort of this role reversal where... And it's a funny case-by-case scenario because they will gladly murder some slave owners, but then some who have been nice to them, they're like, okay, you will keep your life. You, you're good. Uh, The next guy will put an axe in his skull. Yeah. Just 
fascinating. I guess that's the point of all of these stories is each one is unique. Each one has majesty to it and also has some discomfort. And mm-hmm. there, there is um, just a, war- uh, a heads up to my listeners. If you're squeamish, maybe not every episode, <laughs> but there is a lot of interesting parts of history. And that is humanity. There are squeamish things. There are. Oh, yeah. There are, it's all humans and who we are when we're tested. That's, I think, when it comes down to it, who are you actually going to be when you're tested? Yeah, some of the stories definitely get a little intense, that's for sure. Human history is uh, sort of Game of Thrones minus the dragons. Yeah, (laughs) minus the dragons. So there's one more topic I wanted to talk to you about. Um, Have you ever heard of, I'm doing a lot of self-love and learning about ways to, just different things. And there's this thing called ASMR. It's all about vibrations and sounds. People actually have entire YouTube channels all about this. Have you heard of it? Mm -hmm. Um, Give me a little more info. I'm not entirely, what are the initials again? ASMR. MR. Apparently, I don't know a lot about it. It stands for Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response. And I wrote down something. The internet defines it as a feeling of well-being combined with a tingling sensation in your scalp and down the back of your neck as a response to gentle stimulus. So like people have YouTube videos where they're just whispering or they're just tapping and it's basically tapping into your absolute primal nature of uh, like you know there's songs there's all this but when you break it down it's just a noise songs are just a noise and a combination of of octaves and basically it strips it down to the basic and I don't like a lot of noise because I commute I have lots of like I block it all out and I'm a parent I like a little bit of calm but to me when I was looking at this it was fascinating the idea but apparently it uh, what does it say it's supposed to be attention induced euphoria like some people will just crinkle paper and that's what they do the whole time and I just think it's so interesting as humans that that can be entertainment yeah, no, I'm uh, a bit of similar things. You know, I don't think I heard this exact same one. I've heard similar things that like try to try to essentially get to deal with problems, not necessarily in a strictly rational way, but in an experiential way. And um, and you know, sometimes that's exactly what you need. You know, if you thoughts and rationality sometimes only go so far. And you need a different methodology to have uh, to have sort. And ultimately, you know, it doesn't matter what one thinks or does and does it work. It, it, try it. Does it work for you? Great. Doesn't try something else. Yeah. You know, it's ultimately it's very practical the approach. I just thought it was amusing. Like with all the money people put into marketing and all this stuff, someone just crinkles a piece of paper for an hour. <laughs> it's like I love that kind of stuff that that shakes up. Here's what I will say. Okay, so you have a quote. I was digging through your website to try and find a way to explain to my listeners what I project when I think about who you are because you're different than who I think you are. You have a whole life and I only have a snapshot of it. So here's the one. Um, Do I have permission to read your quote? By all means. Okay, this is the one I picked. It's from a commencement speech. And you say it's Bolelli style. <laughs> yep. 
So this is an excerpt from it. I'll follow my visions because not following them for fear that they may not come true equals accepting defeat without even putting up a fight, a good fight. Victory or defeat are largely out of my control, but putting up a good fight, putting up the kind of fight that makes the earth shake and the gods blush, this I can do. That one just makes me jump up and down and go, that's what I want for my life. I want to interact with people like that. That's the way, right? Yeah. It's like that fear of failure is not going to help you. It really is so what? Maybe you will fail. Probably you will. Everybody does at some point. Bad things do happen. So what? You know? Yeah. Oh, anyways, I love that quote. That's the one I picked out. So I guess lastly is, um, do you have, I, I, hmm, how do I word this? What is something in your life? I know you've done a lot of podcasts, so it's, it's different to try and pull out something different. What is a moment in your life that you think of when you think of you? So when I think of you, that's what I think about. But what is something that stands out to you about yourself that, I don't know, just defines you, something about you? I think it's tricky because um, I know myself a little too well, so I... uh... (laughs) too many different like there are so many it would be hard to say one thing defines me because there, for pretty much anything that i can tell you there's probably something that i remember strongly where the opposite was true that's true <laughs> where there was that moment of oh man that represented that side of me that managed to rise above some odds uh, yeah but that other story represents exactly the me that just drowned under some odds you know it's like so i feel that there's um in some ways, sort of oversimplifying to look for one story because mm-hmm. it's like the reality of like that's how a lot of storytelling is. It's very linear and simple, you know. Character has problems. Character fights hard. Character solves problem, uh, and they all live happily ever after. Whereas a lot of times, it's not that clear cut. Is uh, you stumble, then you overcome some issues, then you run into the exact same issue another time, and now you have a hard time with it. And you, the fact that you quote, quote unquote won the previous time doesn't mean you're getting it right this time. But then you, you know, it's like rather than being this linear trajectory that all makes sense one step at a time, there's a lot of back and forth. There's a lot of some days you embody your absolute best and you're able to pull it off. Some days you run into the exact same problem and you get squashed. And then you try again a different time. And so I think sometimes is uh, the way we tell story tend to a bit oversimplify people's process. That's really interesting. Thank you. I have to think about that. <laughs> so thank you for being on my show and sharing your time and insight and I really appreciate the stories that you put out there what I wrote something down what did I write um ah, I'm gonna forget what I wrote thank you for the way you put stories together because I can really capture it in my mind and it makes my commute less mind numbing (laughs) (laughs) because I can hear it.
<laughs> yeah, that's why I listen to podcasts as well. It's when I'm diving, that's the way to go. Yeah. So thank you for being here. And uh, I really appreciate it. And I wish you well in your journey. Thank you so much. Um, thank you very much for having me on and for the kind words. No problem. We'll see you later. And uh, oh, will you send me a picture that I can use on my site? Sure. I'll do that right Excellent. now. Excellent. So have a great day or just have the day that you're having. How about that? <laughs> Perfect. Have a great one. All right. Take I care. wish you well. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks again to Daniele for being on the show. You can find his podcasts on places like iTunes. Uh, you can see his website, historyonfirepodcast.com. He also has the drunkendaoist.com and daniellebolelli.com. D-A-N-I-E-L-E-B-O-L-E-L-L-I.com. He's on Twitter at dbolelli. Facebook at Daniele Bolelli 1. And you can find his books on Amazon, Audible, places like that. Thank you again, Daniele. That was so generous of you.